Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. And we're back with part two of our deep dive into the pack line defense with Southern Indiana assistant coach John Spruance. In this episode, we talk about defensive rebounding, gap defense responsibilities, small group defensive drills, post defense, ball screen defense, and much more. We hope you benefit from this episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at Coach's Edge One. We would love to hear your feedback. Let's get after it. Before we get into our interview, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. They also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles. With one of the largest selections of trucks in the state, they are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin, our truck country, stop in and see them today. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will get you right. When I lived in Ohio, I still went all the way up to Standish because I knew they were going to take care of me when it came to getting a new vehicle. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. Do you send anybody to the glass? Do you send, do you have rules as far as, you know, how close you are to the basket? Okay, this player can, can, try to get the offensive rebound, everybody else is getting back. What do you teach there? We'll usually kind of designate some guys um, to say, hey, you're, you're, a, you're a get back guy, you're a, you're a go crash. Um, and I think it was Matt Woodley who's now at Drake. I think he said, um, and he, he's been kind of everywhere. He was at Washington State with Bennett, and then he was at Truman State, who's actually in our league, and now he's at Drake, coached in the D League. Um, I think he said that, that the year when he did this, this clinic, that the leading offensive rebounder in the country was getting like three offensive rebounds per game, right? You know, so when you're talking about as opposed to transition teams and, and the amount of points that you get scored on in transition, giving up wide open layups, right? Okay, four and five, you guys are probably down there anyways, right? The biggest emphasis that we try to say is don't run up at the ball. Especially like if you're a one, two, or three, yeah, maybe there's some times our three is kind of in that no man's land, right? And maybe he feels like he can get a read. We always want to kind of err on the side of caution unless we know we're playing a team that's super undersized and we are making an emphasis of saying, hey, we're going to pound this team on the glass. We're confident that they're not going to beat us because they're a slowdown because they're trying to box out so much they're not leaking guys out. If we're playing a team like when Ferris was – super good and they were just out in transition and it was those dudes were flying the ball up and down the court we were like we need to get four guys back you know unless you're the foreman and you're down there and you feel like you can take a read you got to get back I like it because you've taken out the guesswork right you've taken out the guesswork for for their players you you've simplified it and obviously you're you're taking away many teams what they're trying to do is that that quick transition race it up the court and try to get a layup, race out to the corner three, you know, pitch it down. Um, and sure. so you, you've simplified it for, for your players, making it easier for them to just go out and, and play, which is key. Sure. Um, let's transition to talking a little low technique. So <clears throat> is there anything specifically that you like to make sure your players do or understand as far as, you know, hand placement, stance, closeouts like the in my opinion the hardest thing in the game is a closeout right if 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 you can dominate the the closeout itself which is a big part of the pack line defense whoever dominates that action offense the defense has the advantage in the game and in so many ways um but you can all you know technique with with the gap with the help defenders the biggest thing if you're in a gap the biggest thing is that you never want to you always want to be in a position where you're you're in a gap and you're influencing with your inside hand inside foot you never want to be reaching trying to get into a gap going this way across your body because there's no way that you're you're going to be able to do that you don't want to be so open in your stance that you can't see your guy on the wing you don't want to be so closed in your stance where you're looking more like a denial team so there's kind of that and that's what we found with the fence with those lines going down you're almost in that perfect medium of right, with that diagonal line going, you're in a perfect medium of where your feet need to be. 
you're always in a position to help with your inside hand. Um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent and, and I don't, I, I seriously don't know how to Steve, besides extreme repetition, I don't know how to teach on ball defense because I do think that it is a little bit of, it's a little bit of heart. It's a little bit of something, a little bit lower, you know, it's a little bit of, of, of toughness of, of a mental challenge of saying, right. I'm not going to let this dude do this, you know? And, and when you start talking, yeah, we teach big steps, right? We, we teach trying to be explosive off of each foot where if I'm squared and he's trying to go this way, I need to be able to plant off my left foot to move to the right, as opposed to taking a false step, right? I need to be able to explode off my left foot as opposed to trying to take a step with my right foot, move my left foot and try to do that. So we talk a lot about cut steps, big steps, trying to be explosive in that movement where it's almost trying to get it a habit of the mind's not really thinking. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I was a, a pretty slow white guy and I couldn't get by people unless if I were to take it a, an extra step, you know, you see it a ton on, on guys with shot fakes, right? They go into their shot fake, they go into their shot fake. What do they do with their foot that they're stepping in? That foot goes backwards and then they try to go forwards. You've added an extra step. You've given the defender a chance to recover to that. Well, it's the same thing on defense. If you take an extra step trying to take the guy to cut him off, a good player is going to kill you and, and you can't be there. We want active hands. Um, you know, we're, we're big on if, if the ball is up over your head, we want you to be crowded into your body. If it's below the waist, we call it six and six. So we're bouncing back six inches, right? When he puts that ball down, because we're preparing for the drive, we're going six inches back. He raises that ball up. We're going six inches back forward into your body. Like a, like a little crab, like a little crab steps kind of. Yeah, going. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, a little choppy step, yep. Because what we find, especially the worst thing you want to do, and, you know, everybody's getting so good at, you know, the jab series is kind of coming back, which is great to see. If a guy jabs you to the left, the worst thing that you can do is jump all the way to the left, right? Because then he's just going to hit you with the cross step and go the other way. So if every time he puts the ball down, he jabs, you can just back up to give him space and preparation for a drive. We've always kind of felt like you're kind of in, in you know, better positioning, um, so to speak, uh, when it comes to that. But we want to be active with our hands. Um, we don't want to open up. You don't want to change your – you know, you see so many kids, they're – kind of squared up but they're forcing to the left and then they're switching their hips and, and doing all that and dancing with their hips. We don't want to do that. Stay solid with, with where you are when you're on the ball. Um, you know, gap inside hand. The closeout thing is, is probably the, the biggest, you know, I'd say probably the hardest thing in, in all college basketball. And, and the saying for us has always been if one, one good closeout stops an offense, right? One good closeout coming out. And you close it, and that guy thought he was going to rip you and beat you baseline, and you cut him off, done, right? It's a little bit of a momentum stopper. They think they got you. Um, for us, the big thing is that seeking leverage, where we can take that angle to come back out to square you up. Too many guys at all levels, if you're guarding at the elbow and that guy's on the wing, they take a direct angle going right to the wing, and they give up you're closing out to high side. You're done. You're done, right? You haven't ever gotten square with your guy, you know, and it's tough because if you get stuck in help and you try to seek leverage, you're going to be late on a shot. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is what mm-hmm. it is, right? And it, it kind of is what it is. Um, what are some of the drills that you do to make your sure. players, you know, get, get the hang of it? Cause you got to play, you got to do it. Right. 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 I mean, um, Chris Mack has great stuff from his championship production. He calls it Black Hawk. Um, it's basically a line in the middle and, and lines on the wings. And, and fellas like you guys can YouTube this. Chris Mack, Black Hawk drill, it will come up. It's free on YouTube. Um, it's basically you, you go from being in a gap to guarding ball, right? And then the guy passes it to another wing. You got to jump and swipe, shuck the cutter a little bit. They he comes down and now the next guy in line from the top is stepping into the drill. So now the wing passes back up to the top. You have to take an angle, close back out. I mean, we do a ton, a ton, two on two, three on three, 
we very rarely, right, like the old school way of, you know, we will do it sometimes where the balls are underneath the hoop and you're closing out to the wing. It's not really a realistic game closeout, though, right? There's, there's going to be very few times if I'm the, the bottom guy on midline, I'm usually not going to be closing out to an opposite wing off a of skip. I might have to stunt, right? So we'll do a two-on-two stunt and recover where both guys will be on the midline, ball will be on the opposite side, Coach skips it. Bottom guy has to backside stunt, recover, take an angle. Guy who's on midline or who's in the gap has to take an angle to recover, and then we'll go live kind of on this side. Let me see if I can draw it up, Steve, so you can kind of. So you give him a few, in a sense, kind of practice reps, and then does the coach yell live, or how, how does that work? It'll be live, like right off the – so coach is right there. He'll skip the ball over. Bottom guy needs to backside stunt coming up, recover back, and then the top guy needs to take an angle to close that off. Mm -hmm. And so we'll just do a ton of ton live stuff on the side. I mean, we will do a ton of one-on-one -on -one stuff uh, because it's, it's super important. We do a ton of base shell, four-on-four, four, because the post stuff isn't, isn't that hard. Um, but we really want to try to put guys in positions all the time where they're doing game situation reps. So it's a lot of like in, in that drill, it's it's a small sided game. It's you're working on skip, close out, uh, help position, gap position, back into a close out. You're, you're going live. Um, when you're closing out, do you make sure your players do, you know, two high hands, one high hand? You know, as you, as you mentioned before, you're not like you don't want to be too over specific. So you're overloading the player with details. Right. I mean, we're big still on, you know, I, I think the biggest thing in any defense, right, is, is on the flight of the ball, whether it's a skip or you're going from help, just you're in a gap on the elbow and you got to get out to the wing. you got to bust your butt. I mean, you got to be moving, right? We talk about all the time flight of the ball. If you, in the higher level you go to, if you are not there on the catch, you're done, right? Especially with now the emphasis on three-point shooting. If you are not in that guy's body, when he catches the ball, you are done, right? So, I mean, we, we still talk about the same, you know, we're going to go, you know, what do they always talk about? 75% of the way, you're in, a, you're in a full sprint, and then the last few, we're, we're chopping, you know, to anticipate drive because in the pack, what do we want to give up? We want to give up contested shots, right? It's not going to be a catch-and-shoot three, but we also don't want to run out at that guy you know, like a whirling dervish and you're getting blown by, we're giving up a layup. Um, we are more big on one hand um, than two. And I think it was John Gross a couple years was talking about like the actual body physics of telling guys to come out with a low butt, but two hands up over your head. It's not, it's not really feasible. Woodley talks about he wants your hands to just be up over your shoulders. I mean, it's, it's such a, you can do it 10,000 ways. I'm just big on, like, get out there. Don't get blown by. I mean, and that's – I think, Steve, like, we get – just because I coach college basketball, like, I don't have all the answers, and I'm sure that there's millions of dudes that are doing skill development stuff like you that are coaching high school, coaching lower levels that know so much more about the game than, than what I do. And, and I don't claim to be an expert by any means. I just know, you know, and even Popovich at the NABC a couple years ago is simplify the game, right? Simplify the game. You have to know what you're talking about, right, or your players won't take you serious if, if you don't know how to convey the message that you're trying to get across. But like we talked about earlier, if, if you have super athletic guys that are thinking when they need to be in a reactive mode, okay, left hand, right hand, what a chop, chop set you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't care, right? If it's six, six, you're in a gap and you're, you're going back out there, I need you to get your butt out there as quick as you can and, and break down and keep that guy out of the paint to limit a recovery situation. And, and like I said, Steve, any, anybody, yeah, you're going to have your non-negotiables of, of what you want in your program. For us, if a guy, yeah, maybe if, if we're in a real tough rut and we're trying to get guys back to being like, hey, we need to lock back in. Yeah, we're, we're counting bad closeouts. They're not putting hands up. In the heat of the game, 
right? If my foreman is, is closing out on a six, eight dude that, that can't shoot threes, do I hope that it's embedded in him well enough that he just habitually puts his hands up for sure. If he doesn't in the heat of that game, knowing that that guy can't shoot a three, am I going to be that upset? No. No, I like that because you know, you're, you're, you're not making it so, so detailed that your players are getting confused. And if they do struggle, if there is a point where it's like, Hey, we do have to get back to basics, then you can reemphasize a certain thing. Say, Hey, you know, let's watch the game film. You know, you're actually doing this all the time on your closeout. Your stance is actually really high. Right. Or, you know, I mean, now we can concentrate on your technique talk, a little bit. We talk a lot about on closeouts. We'll have guys that close out, right? So if I'm closing out on you and I'm, I'm lifting up my right hand, well, usually you're lunging with your right foot as well. By nature of what that is, you are in an open stance giving up left, right? So we talk a lot about just the angle of a closeout. And that's when we talk about the seeking to leverage. You can't be so much one-handed, one-leg, lunging out where you're just giving up. you got to square up. And I think that more than anything, because we do want to contain the dribble um, more than anything. Now, I'm the first one to also say this, Steve, at the higher levels, at the Dukes and, and Michigans and all that stuff, your non-negotiables are different because you have another McDonald's All-American waiting in the wing, right? Our foreman last year, we needed him to play, <laughs> right? So your non-negotiables, it shouldn't, right? It shouldn't change but everybody's going to have more leash, right? So your backup point guard who you get on for every little single thing that he does wrong, he's not getting, he's not getting the same respect that the starting point guard is that we need to play 35 minutes a game in order to win, right? right the levels right. change, your personnel changes. Sure. Um, you know, if we've just kind of found like, yeah, are there coaches out there who can be, the, the Bobby Knights and, and the Izzos. And yeah, that's, that's what Izzo does. And guys go there to do that at the lower levels. It's kind of harder, you know, to always, 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 if you're going to be that way, you always have to be a bad guy. Right. Regardless. If a guy is, is one foot away from being on the pack, you have to blow practice dead and you need to correct it. You need to make him run and he needs to get back in there. And, and that's what you're doing. Right. And, it is. It's a fine line between, hey, this is where it's going to be, but we understand that there's going to be slippage in the game. So we hope that, yes, in the heat of that moment, they can go back in the Rolodex of their brain and say, hey, Coach Sprue yelled at me once for not putting my hands up, and maybe I should try. Right. Well, I like I like that. And, you know, as you, as you mentioned, you know, closeout specifically, man, I think it's it, – if I'm closing out on a good player with two high hands above my head – I'm already worried I'm going to get blown up right. because, you know, my, your hips naturally come up. And then, you know, if you're an elite athlete, you can do that. You can get away with it. You can probably close out with two hands and, and still be quick enough or strong enough to get back on that first step and, and you'll be fine. Um, and then what I teach our players, you know, from the offensive standpoint is attack the high hand. If that, if that high hand's coming up, as you mentioned, chances are that foot is coming up. So I'm I'm reading somebody's footwork when I'm not looking down. I'm I'm just sure. reading their their arms and shoulders. I already know what my angle to attack is, and then I'm and then I'm gone, which is sure. why I, I used to I used to preach more high hand, and now I'm more like you know just hands at the yeah, shoulders, and if it looks like it's going up, get it sure. the hand up, and and sure. uh, you know you got your your hands low enough that you can start to slide with them and pretty we, easily we, as well. We, we stress length. And I think too many people coach defense still with your hands out to your side, right? And we're over here in, in right, like the Michael Jordan wings poster, right? Hands out to the side is defense. Yeah, and you're slower that way. If you're right. locking out, and, you're slower and, that way. You need those elbows me, bent. Yeah, and for me too, now we're saying, okay, you got to pressure the ball. You got to pressure the ball. Well, that forces me to move my body closer to your body, as opposed to somebody like you too, Steve, who has – long wingspan, I'm going to put one hand out, probably depending on where I am on the court. If you're on the left side, I'm going to put my right hand out. And I'm going to absorb that body space, knowing that you're a better athlete than I am. I'm not going to absorb that body space with my body. I'm going to absorb that body space with my hand, right? The illusion of pressure. Now, the big thing that we say all the time is if my hand 
can go through your chest, I'm too close, right? Because it's going to be a foul. You're going to put a ball down. I want to be in a position where if you move forward, I can adjust my hand coming back. But too many guys think that pressure means chest to chest, right? I'm up on the ball. Well, offense players are too good. They're too good. I want to be back, right? And, and athletes now, right? You got long arms. I'm, I'm losing uh, an illusion of pressure just by having my arm out. I'm absorbing space, but I'm still giving you a cushion with my feet because I know you're a better defender or a better offensive player than I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I like to, you know, we talked about the perimeter defense a, a lot, but I think it's, you know, so important with the way that the game is going today with more teams going, you know, at the very least, it seems like everybody has a, a high level of four out, one in, and then some teams right. are starting to transition to, to five out as well. Now, but let's talk some post defense. What do you teach with your players when it comes to guarding the post? For sure. I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty simple on it, Steve. Um, it's nothing, it's nothing crazy ball on the wing. Uh, we want our post guy to three quarter. I mean, we're big on, you know, the battle of the feet and, and we're working for position. Uh, you know, I think if, if you let, right, let's just say balls on the left wing post is on the right, right block. If you let that guy just cross your face without tagging him as he comes across, you're done. You're done. Um, so we're big on, physicality or big on the battle of footwork but like if balls on the wing we're going to three-quarter right off the bat if it drops below free throw line is more of that kind of corner extended you're going to go three-quarter but you're going to go three-quarter on baseline side right so whether that's a three-quarter over the top step through or that's a three-quarter disengage and go under once again whatever you can do in that moment it's just another thing where you're like okay, I need to get over on top side, top side, top side, and that guy is sealing you off so hard. Okay, well, you have to have a second option, right? So we'll work on both. We'll work on like a little swim and disengage going top side to a baseline. We'll work on going under and getting baseline. The big thing for us is our positioning from our guards once the ball goes into post. That's what I was going to ask you about is now, now when the post catches it, where are we at? So let's just say, I mean, he's right black. We want everybody to almost be – fence right fence or in okay because we want to be in position where we're not we're not crowding our guys on the perimeter we want to be in position where we can stunt at that five if he puts the ball on the ground if that five isn't a very good dribbler right and that's where the instinctual basketball player comes in and you feel like you can get in there and get a hand on it you're in there we're going to crowd the post though we're going to crowd it now scout specific stuff if you know the guy who just threw it back in is a dead eye, and you know that they like to run a little quick hitter where he relocates corner. Your primary responsibility is still your guy, right? But we're going to treat the pass from the wing to the post. That's now going to be a gap, right? So if my guy's on the wing and he's got the ball on the block, I'm still going to be closer to the ball than I am my man in a position where that five's just not on an island all by himself getting, you know, if, if a five man in, in D2 basketball can take four or five dribbles to get to a hook or a, or a counter, we're, we're dead, right? I want our guards to be in a position where they can fake, stunt, fake and fade and get back to their guy. If that five picks the ball up, we got him good, right? We're good. Or if you can be that instinctual basketball player where maybe you're guarding the guy in strong side corner, that big goes to get to his middle hook and you think when he turns his head you think you can go go like right like go be a basketball player I mean I think like I said I think at the higher levels like yeah like this is what we're doing there's there is more structure because those guys they're going the league man like you know what I mean I think at, at the lower there still needs to be a sense of what these guys have done for 14, 15, however long they've been playing the game of basketball in an organized setting, right? Instincts come in. Yes, are you going to get burned a couple times if you go for that steal? For sure, right? And then that comes into a tape breakdown. But am I going to be mad that he goes for a steal, he gets it, and we go down the other side and get a layup? No, we can talk about it in film saying, hey, man, you know, not great fundamentals. It's a good thing you got that one. (laughs) Right. You know, like I still think that there has to be – regardless of anything there has to be a sense of freedom 
not only as a basketball player and doing what you want to do, but freedom as a human being of being instinctual in the game because you want to recruit guys that are high IQ guys. I don't want a guy that's sitting in the corner, sitting there like, do I go? Do I not go? No, right. like if you think you can go and get the ball, like go and get the ball. And if you don't get it, then we need to know that the guy in the wing is going to cover down and get you and he's going to rotate there and hopefully we can bust our butt and, and fly out of rotations even though we don't want to be in it. Well, I like that because you're, you're instilling a sense of trust with your players sure. and they're not becoming robotic in the reads and the motions that they need to, need to make. So, you know, there's a system in place, but at the same time, they – they can still play the game. So that's, that's a little bit of the post-defense. Ball screens, as you know, it seems like Ooh. there's just more and more of them every single year. And in each year, I feel like, man, that was a lot of ball screens. And then the next year, basketball comes around. Wow, there's even more of them this year. Yeah. Talk about how you guys defend the ball screen. I mean, I think, I think the stat now is like almost – 70 or 75 percent of every possession now at the, the college level is ending or having a ball screen um, somewhere in it. I think I think the biggest thing that coaches run into where they get themselves into trouble is they try to do like seven different things for for the same situations, right? Well, we're going to ice it against this team. Well, if you want to be really good at something, you got to do it all the time, right? And I think a big thing that like Matt Woodley talks about or, or Jim Boone guys that do the pack is that this is a this is a, a system defense it's not a scheme defense right so scout to scout player to player play to play we're going to fall back on the things that we do all the time right they got to match you more than sure. you matching them for sure like this is what we do right and and everybody does it in the heat of the game you're getting killed on something you're like oh what's like the automatic adjustment well we need to do this differently it's like okay well no like maybe Maybe they just need to play harder, right? What's, what's the, the easiest ball screen defense in the world is you as a guard not getting screened, right? Having some toughness at the point of that screen, getting your leg through, getting over. Now we're not in help hedge or whatever. Side pick and roll, more often than not for us, we're going to hedge, okay? So especially if it's guard five, we're going to hedge, okay? And we always taught – our hedge from the five was kind of two big steps extended off that guy running back. Okay. And now, you know, we're, you got to have guys on the midline, obviously to tag the roller. Right. And, and with pack, hopefully you have guys that are in more help situations where, um, you know, that's more of if it was a naked side, if it's a strong side ball screen and guys in the corner to a lift, that's tough because you got to tag that five high and then you still got to be able to get back for a throw it seems like that's, I mean, that is one of the most common actions now, right? Sure. Is that strong side corner trying to, trying to lift up. You got to tag that five or whoever it is. If you tag them too low, basically the five is just going to, it's going to turn in basically to a moving screen, right? Cause he's just going to roll into your body. There's nothing you can do. As he comes off that screen and your guy starts lifting out that strong side corner, you got to lift with him. You got to try to take a piece of that five. Um, hope that your guard is is busting his butt through there. And then on the weak side of that screen, you got to hope that your guard is in there in a gap, you know, where that guard can't turn and get all the way downhill. Because if he turns and gets downhill, now you're talking about lob and you're talking about throwback um, to that guy. So we Which had, talks about the how important it is for that hedge to be effective right away. Are there any specific – rules that you teach for like you, you use the example of that that uh big five coming up and hedging you know how early is it you said two big steps is there any read that he's trying to make within that or it's just automatic we kind of tell our guy i mean realistically we tell our five basically to foul right so you want to arrive as that as their five arrives x5 needs to arrive at the same time because if you're late to it you can't hedge your angle is going to be wrong right? Because we're stressing, especially if it's a side pick and roll, we want chest to sideline, right? I want to make the guard go towards half court, chest to sideline. So that's my footwork. But basically we're telling our five, you want to be, your hand needs to be on that five's hip. You can't be too high and you can't be too early because X5 is going to slip out. You're done, right? So you're there, 
And basically, as he starts coming off, that's when you're taking your two steps, you're disengaging. Um, I think the biggest thing where, where guys run into trouble and, and bigs at the lower level, you might have all the talent in the world. But high school to college is a totally different thing. If you can't guard ball screens and you're a five, it's going to be hard for you to play. If you can't do a hedge, if you can't sprint out there, right, because the majority of the time that X5 is going to be coming from opposite side of the ball, a full sprint, right, they're trying to do that. So maybe he's coming off a pin down to create more separation so you can't hedge. I mean, you got to be there. You got to be there. And you need to be able to move your feet, force the offensive guy to take some retreat dribbles backwards, you know, in hopes that your guard can get through and recover. Um, but it, it is kind of a fine line because if you go too early, X5 is going to split. Or if you go too early and you jump out too quick, what's a good guard going to do? He's going to split yeah. you yep. and, and get downhill. So we, we want to be there and stay attached. Um, but basically, as he goes that side pick and roll, if you can think about the angle of where he's going to set the screen, basically our defender, if I'm X5, I want to be the same footwork as what he is. So as he comes out to that screen and he's screening chest to the sideline, I want to be holding his bottom foot so his foot closest to the hoop. I want to have a hand on his hip, and I want my chest to already be at the sideline as well. So as he comes off, I'm right there, one, two, right? One, two, big steps, and then we're running back, super high hands, you're sprinting back, um, busting your butt to try to get back there. No, that's, that's great, te- great detail. I appreciate you, appreciate you doing that. And running back high hand is, uh, is key. I mean, sure. it, that, that pass could zip, zip right through there if you're not running back with high hand. And, you know, if you're, a, if you're X5, you know, you, hopefully, you know, if you have some lateral movement, you're big enough, long enough that you're giving, you know, that guard plenty of time to get sure. over, get back in front. And, you know, you, you, you've stretched out enough that, you know, your, your gap defender can kind of tag that, that roller and get back in their closeout if need be, right. if they're lifting up. Um, that's, that's great detail. Um, we found, we found with the two steps, Steve, not to cut you off. So two steps from X five allowed more space for the guard to go over the screen, but then still go under the five without them running into each other. I've seen some coaches do one step and a lot of times, right? Because we're telling our guard, we want you to go over the screen and then under the hedge, right? You're not going to go over both. You can't go over your own double screen right there. But if he only takes one step and doesn't create separation, it's super hard because half the time your X5 is going to say, okay, I took the one step, your guard is going to be trying to go under, and now your X5 runs directly into your point guard who's trying to get back into the, uh, to the play. So two steps for us allowed more space for that guard to get under and for X5 to come back and, and get, get down. Well, I've, I've been there before where I, I felt like I – defended the ball screen as well as I could and then you get screened by your own man and nothing's more frustrating frustrating than that (laughs) and then on the ball from from the guard standpoint I mean especially with pack I mean we're we're forcing you into that screen right we're not we're not downing so if we've gone from a squared up position I am now kind of kind of influencing you I'm not opening up so much because then my feet aren't in position we we teach inside foot over that X5, skinny up and get over. But especially on a naked side, you can't get beat on a naked side ball screen baseline because there is no help, right? We're going to force you back in, but we see a lot of kids turn their body all the way up where now they're automatically in a chase position. They're on that guy's hip, and there's no way that they can get back there to cut them off. We want to stay square, maybe turn our chest a little bit, but then we're teaching inside foot from a guard, skinny up, get over the five, under X five, square back up with the ball. No, that's really good. That's really good detail. Coach, as we get a little closer to the end of the, the podcast, do you feel like there's any types of offensive actions that seem to give the pack line more trouble than others? For sure. I mean, I think if you can spread and, you know, like Truman State this year, one through five for them shot threes. And I think if you talk to – Chris Mack, Dick Bennett, like all those guys, right? Like obviously when Dick Bennett created the pack, like we weren't shooting threes the way we're shooting threes now. If you can spread that floor, and especially now you're talking about 
Um, you're going to a naked side ball screen with, with maybe a pick and pop guy. Um, and you're still talking about hedging. Um, I mean, we will, and this isn't true pack, Steve, and people might get mad at me. We will switch. We switch a lot. Um, we feel like it can give us best chance. We feel like we're pretty dynamic in, in the, you know, the lineups that we can do. But if you're doing a single side pick and pop with an X5 who, or with a five who can shoot, right, and you're expecting your five to hedge, your tag guy is coming from baseline. He's guarding corner opposite side, right? So he's midline, and he has to somehow go midline, bottom, right, wearing the rim as a hat to try to get back out there to contest a three. I mean, that's hard. Um, ball screens, I mean, we're seeing a ton of ball screen, lift, roll, replace stuff. Um, it's just if guys can shoot and they can spread the floor. Now, in the same, in the same thing, it's, it's hard as a coach. You need to know what you want to live with, right? So if you're giving up contested threes and they're making them, technically that's what we're trying to give up. They're just making tough shots, mm -hmm. right? You can't take it all away. You're never going to be able to take it all away. But I think teams that can really, really spread you out um, can hurt you. I think the pack is great at the high school level because the majority of guys that are playing in leagues don't have – usually have a guy, right? Usually don't have, like, two or three guys in most high school leagues, right? So you're kind of honing in on one guy. We're all on this. A lot of guys aren't great off the, off the dribble three-point shooters. Um, it's more catch-and-shoot stuff. Um, but I think for us, teams that can really, really spread you out. Now, for us, if a team was spreading us out and they went X5, they could shoot, we would go small and we would switch five ways. And we would, you know, and I know one of those questions, and we've probably been blabbering on for too long, like there'll be situations where we will double the post. Um, there's situations where we'll, we'll double just to try to create tempo. Um, but we're big on – we feel like matchups won't get us beat. We feel like giving up wide open shots because of a situation that we can't guard, right? It's, it's JP, uh, Jacob Polakovich played at uh, Grand Rapids uh, Central Catholic. We're asking a lot to JP to, to hedge a, a naked side ball screen, right? And that five man's going to pick and pop to the corner or short corner or wherever. We're asking a lot for JP to take a two-step hedge on a good guard and recover and still be able to contest a shot, let alone if he's a pick-and-pop guy, he can probably put the ball on the floor a little bit. We're just going to switch, right? And if it's a position where they've gone that, that low or, or that small, then we'll take JP out and we'll go – we call it the Smurf lineup, right? We'll move the four to the five. We'll move the three to the four and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, and there's, there's different things we can play with with specific actions. Uh, but spreading the floor is, is always tough. and Spraying the floor with, with a really good guard who can get downhill, right? Like Northwest Missouri, Trevor Hodgins, uh, dude can play. And he can get downhill on, on anybody. And you're stuck in help longer and he's spreading the floor and he's got shooters everywhere. You know, like I said, you ain't going <laughs> to be able to stop everything. You got almost hope right. and pray that they miss some shots. Yeah, and, and it does make sense with, you know, you said with – with a lot of coach guards teams having a lot of depth at the guard positions, it makes sense that you'd have the, the versatility to be able to do some of those things that would, would work well for you too. I mean, we could go on and on and talk forever pack line. I mean, it's obviously a, a super detailed uh, defense. Um, and there's so many actions within the game of basketball that, you know, you want to pick a brain like yours and say, what do you do here? What do you, what do you right. do here? Um, so, as we start to close it out, anything that we didn't touch on that you feel important enough to mention? Um, you know, we can talk like uh, middle ball screens. We'll, we'll either do a soft hedge or, or we'll drop it where the X5 can kind of come off of that. But, I mean, that's, that's pretty standard. I mean, I, I just think the biggest thing, Stephen, and the stuff at all levels is it's fundamentals translate regardless of where you go and play college basketball, right? Or wherever it is to the next level. Okay. Running a uh, run and jump full court press, 
and you're trapping and you're giving up layups, but you're flying the ball down the other, well, that might not translate to every college program, right? And it's going to take that kid longer to disorientate, right? Orientation. It's going to take longer for that kid to break the habits. And I think you're seeing so much now of younger levels and people are teaching zone and, and all this stuff. And it's like, stop, just stop. Because by the time they get to us, Steve, they have no idea how to play defense. And I'm not even talking about just from a systematic standpoint of, hey, this is where you need to be in the gap. This is what you, nobody knows how to just play on-ball defense. Nobody knows how to sit down and say, one-on-one right here, you're not going to score on me. Yeah. Right? And I yep. know that I have help back here. I'm not going to need it because mm-hmm. I got this. And yeah, I think it's important for kids to play more one-on-one, more two-on-two, more three-on-three than always playing five-on-five because it's it's easy to hide some of those weaknesses. Sure. And sure. I tell you what else, when I was coaching, when I was overseas coaching high school basketball over there, their youth program all the way down, you can't play zone at the youth level in Germany. And that's what I feel like it should be on. It's illegal. It's against the rules. You get a technical yeah. foul. Yeah. Because so much, I mean, and I get it from a standpoint if like, you know, like some mom and pop team in Michigan is playing, uh, Macervin Fire, right? Or like somebody who's like in they have Jabari Parker on their team or whatever. Like I get it, right? Like you want to make it somewhat okay, well, you're gonna lose by 50 either way. <laughs> you know, like the zone ain't gonna keep you in the game the whole time. <laughs> you know, I just think so much of so much of everything that we all try to do as coaches, and we just want to say, like, okay, well, we're gonna do this and this and this and this. Basketball is really a simple game. It really is, right? Offensively, you need to be able to pass the ball, dribble the ball, and shoot the ball, right? One of those you should probably do better than the others, right? And have that be your skill. I'll never forget John Beeline talk at a clinic, and he says, if you're average at something, just stop doing it. He goes, stay <laughs> average at it. He goes, if you can't finish with your left hand, start being creative with finishing with your right hand because you're never going to get to the point of if you're a great right-hand finisher – Yeah, if you're that good and you have that much commitment and that much drive, for sure. But be great at something and be okay at everything else, and you'll probably be a really good basketball player. But so much of what we want to do is it needs to be this, it needs to be that, it needs to be this, blah, 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 blah. It's just like life. You need to learn life experiences have shaped you and I into the people that we are right now. It's the same on the basketball court, Steve. Your basketball experiences when you were small, growing up, The things that you did, the things that you did in a gym by yourself had nothing to do with somebody telling you to do stuff. That shaped the person that who you are. And then coaches came in and said, we'll mold you just a little bit, right? They didn't repaint the Mona Lisa. No, you were a great player in high school, as most players are. We're not asking to reshape you. But if you don't have fundamentals, either offensively or defensively, we are going to have to reshape you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think so much of – a thin line as a coach because you can do the same things over and over in practice and I listened to Matt Woodley today and he says a sign of being mentally tough is being able to do the same things over and over again until they develop habits so many coaches want to listen to podcasts watch the NABC things right and they're gonna oh man right you see the amount of papers right here we're going to do all this. We're going to do all this because you want to keep it fresh for your kids because you feel like your kids won't be interested, but you're changing who you are and who your philosophies are as a coach and letting them off because when they get to the college level, it's not going to be that this dude's going to be coaching for how long was Van Weeren coaching for 120 years. (laughs) He was going to do what he was going to do, you know, and it wasn't going to change. It wasn't right? Stan's been doing it for for 20 years. It's not going to change. So as as crazy as it is, repetition builds mental toughness in all aspects of life. It really does. It really does. And I think for all the people listening, I mean, it's been a tremendous honor, Steve, of of being able to do this, man. And like you said, we could could probably stay on here for another three hours and keep keep talking shop. Um, I just think the game of basketball is simple, and I think we have so many people out there that try to overcomplicate everything that it does, right? And at the end of the day, pack line defense, you need to be able to stay in front of somebody. 
right? Zone defense, you got to be able to stay in, in front of somebody. Rebounding, I think that's a mental toughness thing. Positioning, box out, get the ball. Come back, swarm, get the ball. Um, I don't know. I just think simplify the game, keep teaching the fundamentals to everybody out there, and, um, you know, I think it will be more appreciated on, on our level <laughs> than, than anything else. But, I mean, it was awesome to talk shop. And like I said earlier, Steve, if anybody needs anything as far as diagrams or, you know, my email, you can attach it. I'm always open uh, to talk hoops, man. I appreciate I appreciate that you going into detail and taking the taking the time, and uh, you know I think you know as a as a coach at any level it's you know you talked about having the papers and all this stuff and you know, you can teach whatever you want but it comes down to what you emphasize sure. every single day that is going to get the point across to to your kids and you know on this topic of the pack line if you start your kids off with some type of man-to-man principal defense, or maybe it is the the exact pack line, that's going to translate to other forms of defense that maybe that player goes on to play college basketball and they run a specific zone. Well, you know, I think if you're a really good pack line team, you could probably become a really good zone team too, right? Yeah. There's principles of, of guarding that you just need to understand that that helps teach and, and reinforce, which is, which is great stuff. So last question before, yes, before we finish up. Advice to your younger self. You're starting out in the coaching game. What advice would you give to your younger self when you started out? Um, man, that's a tough one because I went through the volunteer stuff. I mean, you know, I think, oh, man, that's tough, Steve. That's tough. I mean, I, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by great mentors and people that made it right everybody everybody watches on tv right well, i want to be on michigan state staff okay well realistically probably not going to happen for the majority of us right i think the biggest thing as a my younger self and and i was thrown into the fire like i was i was baptized by college basketball because i went down there and i had no idea what i was doing and i was getting yelled at um i mean you got to be ready and, and still to this day, and it's cliche to say, like, you got to wear every hat. And whether it's – everybody wants to, to talk about, yeah, like, recruiting's awesome. Recruiting's really fun, right? But I'm still the guy that gets up on a ladder and cleans backboards before games, right? I'll still sweep the floor. And I think staying grounded in this profession, because it is still – and we talked – it's still about the love of the game. I do this because I'm super competitive. I want to stay around basketball. And it takes me back to when I was playing, right, and, and staying grounded and, and understanding a little bit of what these kids are going through. And I just think, you know, like I said, I, I don't think a lot of people were, were three days asked to move to Hawaii with one bag and, and no place and a first-year staff. But yeah, I not many think, people would have done that. Yeah, I just think you just – you never get too big – you know, and I think that's advice to, to everybody out there that wants to, to do this business. It's, it's not for everybody, Steve. And I'm, I'm the first one to say that it is, it is long hours. Like I'm, I'm trying to sell my house now. I've told you we postponed this. Um, you know, you, you're uprooting, you're leaving, uh, you're getting farther away from friends and family to, to travel. You know, you're getting back at three in the morning, you're on buses, you know, you're, you're doing inventory, you're, you're watching tape, you're doing scouts. If you don't love basketball, this isn't for you. And, and I promise you that because in the heat of, in the heat of the games and, and that competition, it's awesome. Well, there's going to be heat of the heat of the moments in the office where it, it's going to get real, you know, and, and words are going to be said and things are going to be flying around and you, you better love what you do every day because it is a grind. And, and like I said, I think, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, you know, Hope College and, and being around Van Weeren and, and Coach Neal and, and Steve Windemuller and, and those guys of, of staying humble and staying in the moment of, of what it is, you know. And I think now, right, well, hey, I just got named to top 50, so I'm not, I'm not cleaning any more backboards, Steve. I'm too big. But, no, like, you know, I think you stay in the moment of who you are. You rely on, just like I keep saying, people rely on the fundamentals. I'm going to rely on the fundamentals of who I am as a human being and my values and and treat people the right way and you never know who you're going to come across 
you know, and you never know what interaction you have with somebody that's going to shape their lives in, in one way or another. Um, and as dark as the tunnel, I guess this would be good advice for my younger self. As dark as the tunnel may seem, there's going to be light at the other end because there were some dark days in Hawaii when I didn't think I was going to make it out um, alive. When I was doing a New Mexico state scout on Christmas morning at 6 AM, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think I had it in me, but, but we're here now. So. That's, that's some great advice. Thanks for going into all the, all the detail. Um, you're, you're a grinder. You got a passion for the game. I want to commend you for that. I want to commend you for, um, the stick to itiveness. I mean, I suppose if you gotta go to Hawaii and be homeless, you know, at least Hawaii, you're in Hawaii, right? You're you're on Um, the beach at least. But, uh, you know, to be able to go through the travels, the, you know, the volunteer assistant, and I think it's important no matter how often we do it to remind other people and coaches of like, whatever you see isn't the way that it always was, right? It's just what, what it is now, but there's a full backstory. I mean, any overnight success took at least 10 years, sure. right? That's a minimum, <laughs> you know, and sure. coaching is, is no different. In fact, you know, it's even longer than than that it's probably 10 or 20 or 30 years for for most people um and uh, the joy is also in in the journey and you have to be passionate about that entire process uh going through it otherwise you're not going to stick with it anyway um and so that's pretty cool for us to to keep in mind and remember and you're another great uh testament to that so Uh, For all you guys out there, thanks for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. We appreciate you. We'll put uh, Coach Spruance's contact information in the show notes if you want to get a hold of him. And uh, if you enjoyed this, be sure to share it out with somebody. Uh, Leave a positive rating, a review. Uh, We really appreciate it as we continue to grow the Coach's Edge. Thanks again, and get after it.